Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Intimacy and oneness is the very makings of fruitfulness. We basically bought into a huge lie that sex is about a man. Dear young married couple, speaking to the woman here, how do you see your body? Do you see your body like God does? Deep down, do you maybe have the the idea that your body is bad or it's dirty or you have to hold it back and you can't express yourself? Well, today, this episode is probably going to touch your heart. Yes, we were picking up so many amazing nuggets that we were like, oh, I wish we could ask Francie, our interviewee today, so many more questions. Um, she hosts a, a podcast and a program called, um, I think, was it heaven in your house? Yes. And um, we first found out about her through Alex Clark, who interviewed her on heaven in your bedroom. And it's this idea that like heaven, God and his perspective of sexuality and your marriage um, is that it's good and that he wants you to have sex and he wants you to have pleasure. He designed your body for pleasure in married sex. So all of that um, really comes together so eloquently in Francie's work and the way she ministers in this episode. So we introduce you Francie Winslow. Um, she has a bachelor's in political science and a master's in evangelism and leadership from Wheaton College. And um, she lives in Northern Virginia. She's crazy about life with her husband and her six kiddos. So if you really want to learn from somebody who has an amazing sex life with six kiddos, you are in for a treat in this episode. Francie Winslow, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Yeah, Thanks. welcome. Fun being with you guys. Aw. Well, we're, we're so delighted that you're with us. Uh, we heard about you from Alex Clark. You were on her podcast talking about heaven in your bedroom. Sure. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that same um, concept today, but I'm sure we'll we'll have a l few other things that are part of that conversation. Yeah. Well, we heard a little bit about your story, so we thought that would be a good place to start. Um because talking about sexuality is not something you find every day, um, at least publicly. So um, how do we get to where we are now? Like maybe wherever you think would be a good place to start. Yeah, well, um, I think if in terms of my story, I grew up in the church and always kind of dreamed more like growing up to be like Beth Moore. Like I just wanted to be a Bible teacher. You know, I just mm -hmm. love Beth Moore. I love women gathering around God's heart and God's truth. I love taking women by the hand and connecting them to the heart of God. And that's kind of what I dreamed I would do. Um, grew up doing lots of missions work in high school, just on fire for Jesus, went overseas every summer and got exposed to um, the nations of the world, um, mm. very impoverished conditions. I think God just really captured my heart in those seasons. And along that's with awesome. that was he captured my heart in terms of my dating life. Um, mm -hmm. It was around that time of, I guess, dating goodbye in the purity culture. But um, I think mm -hmm. by God's grace, I was more in love with Jesus than I was reading a bunch of, you know, trendy books. So 
he really did capture my heart and I wanted to have him more than I wanted all these boyfriends that I had at the time. And so <laughs> it was a, a process of surrendering my sexuality at a young age from yeah. a real heart of genuinely knowing that his love is better and his love satisfies more deeply than any other love. And so it's interesting because that was kind of my background and did a lot of ministry to went to girls' hearts in that season who were longing to know their beauty and their worth and where that came from and got to spend some time in a brothel in Chiang Mai and with girls my age who were in, um, trapped in the sex trade and just like seeing wow. sexuality from all sorts of positions, never imagining that this would be my future ministry is God's re- heart for restoring his vision for sexuality. But wow. it just was kind of, these were the building blocks. Mm. Um, How did you get into that that brothel to help young women who were trapped in sex trafficking? Well, the most honest answer is we just walked in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We had money. And so we bought them for the night and just took them out to dinner and spent time with them, got to share the gospel wow. with them. And we were um, hosted by a ministry that was there building relationships with the women. And so we were there on a very short term trip. It wasn't I did not give my life to that, which, you know, people do. And it's such admirable work. Um, But I got to have a peek into it for um, a short amount of time. And we just got to see up close. um, Yeah. So that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Uh, Around the world, sexuality is so broken. But what I love to focus on is the fact that I believe it's so broken and so distorted because it is so powerful and so God's original vision for his glory filling the earth through his image bearers made in his image, male and female, who are made from a place of oneness and unity Mm. to fill the earth with his glory. Because intimacy and oneness is the very makings of fruitfulness, not Mm -hmm. only procreation and having babies, obviously, but our ability to steward and share God's love on the earth. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to do that in a family and in a marriage that's crumbling and that things are falling apart. And in the most intimate places um, is where God wants to heal us and unify us so there can be this ripple effect of fruit, which we can talk about later because that's um, kind of where we're going. But yes, so I, I was in the season of more like getting face-to-face with the brokenness of it and the grief of, wow, this is really hard. Um, Got married really young when I was 20. And um, in that time, we also were kind of a part of a missionary movement. And so um, we moved to Sri Lanka as newlyweds. We'd been married six months. The tsunami had just happened in 2004, um, where it wiped out, you know, much of Southeast Asia. And Mm -hmm. so we went and it was during that first year of our marriage that God kind of turned all of our thoughts and experiences about sex on its head. Because I think I got married still kind of more scared of sex and more mm. cautious about my feminine body and my beauty. Definitely felt ashamed of my body. Do you think that's pretty common in Christian women who grow up in church and want to serve God and maintain their purity, go into okay. marriage like with this kind of shame around sex? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you're... I was trained to see my body as dangerous and I needed to cover up and modesty is good, but it is the, is the lens through which you think about why am I choosing modesty? Is it because I'm dangerous and I could cause a brother to stumble Mm -hmm. or is it because I'm beautiful and I have something to reveal to someone who would be trustworthy someday? I love that. The lens through which you view modesty. Yeah. And it, it has everything to do with theology of our bodies. And mm-hmm. so in the church culture, we don't have a theology of our bodies. 
um, were actually more modern day Gnostics, that we, Gnosticism was back in the early, early church where they separated the body from the spirit and called the spirit Mm -hmm. good and the body bad. And so I think that's part of what it was like to grow up as a, a young woman was like, I was really spiritual. I really love Jesus, but I was really disconnected from my body or my sexuality because the the phrase I got growing up was just, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll try really hard not to do it. And you know, you cross, you come up to every line, every boundary, but I'm not going to do it, whatever that thing is. And most of the time, <laughs> like, you know, intercourse is the right. thing I not to do. Yeah. Um, and so as I got married, I knew, okay, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now I'm married. Do it. And it, it's shocking. It's shocking to your nervous system, really, because it is you've lived disintegrated your whole mm. life. And now you're trying to integrate, but you don't have the neural pathways for it. You don't have the experiences. You don't have the theology for it. And so it can trigger all sorts of shame responses. It can insecurity. It's really hard to talk about sexuality at all for anybody. Mm. But I think especially in a church culture where sex is seen as in my experience, it was more seen in the negative light. It was never mm-hmm. celebrated. Um, so many different things inform my sexuality other than celebration and um, theology that was God glorifying and body honoring. Yeah. And so I, I knew don't do it, but then I had to do it. And the the worst part was like, I didn't know how to do it, but I really didn't know how to think about doing it. So my body could go through the motions, but my mind was having a hard time catching up. And Mm. so that's almost even more dangerous because then you kind of like, okay, I'll do it with my body, but I'm still rolling tapes of shame and fear and insecurity. And so- So detached, yeah. uh, And so so what happened in your first year of marriage in Sri Lanka? Well, thank goodness we were a part of a church that really valued um, inner life work and not just attending services, but really knowing what was happening inside your heart, inside your story. And so we did a lot of inner healing that year. And we still do inner healing. Like we're constantly mm-hmm. like, Lord, what lies am I believing? Or what part of my pe- past is informing this insecurity? And the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit is that he's all knowing. And so even the most skilled counselors will never be able to pinpoint at what point in your story did you agree with that lie that mm-hmm. you are dirty or that you're unlovable or that it's not mm-hmm. safe to let your heart out. But the Holy Spirit was there all the time. And so he knows your whole story and where you first, that seed of fear or insecurity was planted because you weren't born with that necessarily. It was something that you learned and that has become kind of a part of how you operate. And I think that's what we found is we got married and all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, what did I do? Who is this person that I married? Uh, What's happening? Because my heart feels so scared and insecure. And then supposedly sex is like a man's need. I should I should do it because he has this need. That was a bit of the narrative that was in my mind. And um, so that first year we spent, if um, people want to listen to my podcast, I kind of chrono, I, I share my um, journey chronologically from episode one. Okay. On. A lot nice. of people start episode one and go. We're like well over a hundred episodes now, but. That's great. Um, yeah. We'll link your podcast in the show notes so folks can go and listen to the story. Yeah. Well, I talk about Sri Lanka in the first episode and because um, that's where we, we headed, but we had a pink couch. We called it the pink inner healing couch because it was just on the daily basis. We <laughs> do work, we do life and something would happen in our marriage where he would feel a little shut down or I would feel a little shut down or misheard or disrespected or unloved. And instead of just disconnecting and leaning out, by the grace of God, we were learning about the fact that our story and our hearts matter 
And maybe God has something to say about this. Maybe we're just not going to like fight all the time. Maybe we're going to learn how to fight for connection instead of fighting mm -hmm. each other. And so we sat on the pink couch and we said, okay, Lord, lead us in truth. Like what are the lies we're believing or where are the places that we need to repent? And so little by little, you know, it wasn't all one moment that everything changed. Little weeds were pulled out with big root systems in our hearts and more truth was being planted in and we would pray together and we would allow the Lord to continue to make us one spiritually. And then we would go to the bedroom and we would have sex and be one physically. Mm. And slowly throughout that year, we ended up accidentally really having sex almost every day for that first year of our marriage. Uh, it wasn't a challenge we took on. It was God was healing our hearts. Wow. He was using spiritual intimacy and physical intimacy to do a healing work. And mm -hmm. at that point, I still was reading books that were kind of inferring that sex was a man's need and a woman's duty. And I, I wanted to be a good wife. But as we were on this healing journey of inviting the Holy Spirit into our living room and our bedroom and seeing there is something so much more than we were told. Mm -hmm. There's something supernaturally powerful about intimacy and oneness. And there's a sense, there's a Celtic phrase from the Celtic church called a thin place. You've probably heard of it. Okay. And they talk about there's a thin place happening where heaven and earth are overlapping and intersecting. And you can almost taste the palpable presence of God. Something powerful is happening and you can't quite touch it or feel it, but you can sense it. Mm. That was what it felt like in our tiny one bedroom apartment is there was a thin place. And it wasn't because we were perfect or not messing up or not messy. It was the fruit of intimacy and oneness. And we started being like, heaven is like in our home. And that's kind of how the podcast came out of it was this idea of hosting his presence in our home and and not ordering off any section of our home where he couldn't go. But Lord, you can be Lord in every room of our house, including our bedroom. And there was a sense of power. And we thought it was just for us. I was like, wow, God is just healing us so much. We were so messed up and we were so you know, needing it, there's something supernatural happening. And after a few years, um, you know, we were getting into a groove of just kind of doing life and we moved back to the States and he had a job in the marketplace and I was in school and he said, Francie, you should talk to your friends about how their sex life is. And I thought, I will never do that. They don't need, <laughs> you know, nobody needs that conversation. I thought it was just for us, like God mm -hmm. was healing us. And this is just normal, like marriages start out hard and God if he, you know, is welcomed in, does his thing and that we're moving on. But um, it turns out that God wanted to have these conversations with more than just me and Wyatt. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of led me on a journey of realizing that this story um, is not only for my heart, but I think a lot of hearts are aching for a restored vision of God's garden dream of intimacy and oneness and this mm -hmm. gift given to us. Preach. Wow. Yes. So good. So what was your husband learning mm. as you were having this huge culture shift in your mind and your body? Um, what, what was he learning at the same time? Oh, I wish he was here to talk. He's out of town on a business trip. But, um, you know, I think he came in with, a, I'm so grateful. I have a good man. I'm so grateful. And he is a man yielded to God. And he definitely came in with an idea that his job was to serve me. Mm. And I think that really helped because he was not demanding. He wasn't having this big macho expectation, he was more like, you know, I don't want to be too much for you. That was his insecurity was he is a division one athlete. You know, he had a lot of testosterone and he had his insecurities as a Christian man of maybe my sex drive is a burden or a bad thing. And maybe my sex drive is actually sinful because for so long as a single guy, he had been 
trying really hard to, you know, bounce his eyes and focus on what's holy and not fall into sin. And I think what we realized in marriage was the celebration of him discovering my beauty and celebrating my beauty and me making space for his strength to be affirmed. And this is very much evolved over 18 years of marriage, but realizing that the core message of what I get to do as a woman is call forth his strength through my words and my receptivity and receive pleasure from him. And he gets Mm -hmm. to learn how to be a student of my body because really sexuality, this might be a bomb to drop on everybody, but sex, I think, by looking at the design of our designer is more about the woman than it is the man. Huh. Talk about that. Yeah, it's a big deal because we basically bought into a huge lie that sex is about a man. And so that's been my husband's journey the whole time is him realizing like there, my wife is incredibly sensuous. And I would say, I would never have said that about me. I would be like, I'm a church girl. I'd I'm very sensual <laughs> in my body. I'm, I wish I had more like Latina in me or something <laughs> fun. I'm very like white Southern. But what we realized is biologically, a woman has erogenous zones all over her whole body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Men are much more straightforward and simple. Um, a woman, as of just this fall, new studies have shown that a woman's clitoris has over 10,000 nerve endings. Yep. And the clitoris is just God's gift to a woman for pleasure. There's and no a, other purpose. And a man's yeah. penis has 4,000 nerve endings. So well over double. And so if you think about the garden, when God was crafting Adam and was like, this is good. And then he took from the side of Adam and was going to make someone to come alongside of him that's basically doubly good. Like on every measure, double pleasure, double beauty, double this sense of joy and celebration, and that the man's job was to serve and host this beauty and Hmm. make this beauty sparkle like the, you know, not to be stereotypical, but like the most beautiful girl, the most beautiful dress at the most beautiful ball. That's how God designed women, life givers, to feel. And sexuality has been so turned upside down that it is about a man. It's a power grab. It's a woman meeting his needs, like in the religious Mm. circles, in the worldly circles, pornographic. And I just believe that Christ came to serve with strength. And we as the church are to receive his strength. Mm. And that is the message of the gospel. And he is jealous for it. He wants it back. And he wants us not to believe it in theory, but to experience it. And so I think that's as we've grown together is getting out of that rut of man's need, woman's duty, a man is physical and sexual, a woman is emotional, and seeing more of this celebration because of how profoundly it affects our souls, that our souls are different when our sexuality is healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know our souls are different when our sexuality is unhealthy. Yeah. And have a se- sexual soul and our masculinity, the masculinity of our men and the beauty of our women is under assault. And if we can receive healing in those places, we can actually be agents of healing together. And I think that's what marriage was meant to be, that we embody Christ to each other so that we can continually be ministering to each other and minister to the world from a place of strength and intimacy. And so all of that has been our journey. Deep dive in theology of the body. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Pope John Paul II, that was really helpful for me to see the meaning of the body, Genesis to Revelation, the goodness. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it required us weathering quite a few storms, walking through very dark valleys, realizing that the gift of sex is not just for the highs, but it's for the lows. It's for mm-hmm. it's almost like warfare. It's saying over my dead body, we will be unified. We will be one. 
we will celebrate each other. We will go slowly. We'll learn each other, honoring each other and comforting each other. It's just this powerful gift that I think is so undersold and misunderstood and um, is actually a place that God designed to be a thin place where heaven yeah. and, over- and earth overlap. Totally. Mm. I, I love the way that you share your story. So here's what I'm I'm hearing, though, is that you had a very God-guided, supernatural intervention, really, over that year when you guys were in Sri Lanka. And um, you guys ended up doing a lot of you know, study and research into the theology of the body, the theology of sex. How did you then translate this very supernatural experience that healed you guys in your marriage and your sex life to then share with other people and starting with your friends? Like, first of all, your husband convinced you to talk with your friends, but what were the like the practical ways that you started guiding people to work on their sex life or to see this from a different perspective. And we'll get right back to the interview, but what we want to do is make you aware that we have a resource around this whole subject of talking with your kids about sexuality. It's called Having the Talks. And in Having the Talks, we address things like homosexuality, transgenderism, but even just the basics of sexuality, like anatomy and identity. Um, We start the whole deck off with identity. And it's a resource for parents and children to play together. You can play it like a game. And it helps children as young as age three all the way up to teenhood. There's um, really two decks in one because we have questions for younger children. And on the other side of the card, it's a question, same question, but for older children. Yes. And this deck is designed to really bring these subjects up um, organically so that you can um, really have this discussion with them and, and open a safe place for you to be an askable parent. So you could go to havingthetalks.com and get your deck and um, it will actually reroute you to Amazon and you can get it tomorrow. Next day shipping. Yeah, if you ordered it today. All right, link in the show notes. Back to the interview. Well, so here's my rub is um, some days I wish I was a counselor that had all the solutions to every problem. Because (laughs) I'm like, if, and I'm sure you do too. (laughs) Like you wish you could just fix everything. But um, I've had to, and I'm still coming to the grips that I am an intimacy evangelist and I am not, it's not my job to heal every problem. And the good news is he's really good at that. And what I've seen time and time again is as I proclaim the heart of God that, you know, Jesus echoed when he was cornered on the conversation of divorce um, in Matthew, I believe it was Matthew 19. He, they were like, well, when is it right? When is it wrong? And he said, no, in the beginning, it was not so. And so what I get a cue from Jesus is like, hey, let's not over to Genesis 1. What was God's intention? Because God incarnate was on the earth and he said, let's look at the beginning. In the beginning, it wasn't like this. Get a new vision for what my heart is for marriage. Look at the beginning. In the beginning, God stamped his very image on the body of a male and a female. And from that place, called them his image bearers. Very sexual, very beautiful, very powerful, made for oneness. From that place of oneness, take dominion on the earth. And so I think as I have, we've lived that and we tell our story, God heals people's minds. So good. And it's not me. I've gotten testimonies that I have been, I've just read through tears because I would never attempt to speak into the specific problems and traumas that people have endured because I don't have any authority to do that. 
But what I can do is say, this was not how it was intended. God has something to say to you about your story mm-hmm. and trust the Holy Spirit to do that. And so it has relieved me a little bit because that was one of my hangups getting into this ministry is like, I can't, people's story, I, empathy is one of my highest giftings, strengths finder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, people's stories are so precious and I would want to enter into every story. And so it's almost been the discipline of him saying, eyes on me, eyes on me, eyes on me. I am the healer. Just preach what I've done, share what I've done, testify to the goodness that I have. Because I think part of our pain is not having a vision. Mm. You know, without vision, we perish. And so when we get a vision, then things can begin to be unearthed and come to light. And then great counselors come into the picture, some healing prayer, whatever needs to happen. And then God as well only God can do through his body. So so good. But practically it did look like I I spoke at a lot of MOPS groups. I spoke at a lot of conferences for women and mostly told my story from that setting of just God has more for us than we ever imagined. And really loves sex and he's really crazy about it. And so I would give (laughs) practicals that like how to transition from a tired wife. You know, I have six kids. It's crazy at my house. (laughs) Practical and how to get away, how to invest in your sex life, how to be intentional with your sex life, how to grow it when it feels like it's kind of hard to find resources that actually tell you how to grow it and not how to think about it. Well, how Um, do you do that? Well, we read a lot of books and there are a lot of good ones out there. I'm a real big fan of the um, Penners, Joyce Uh Cliff Penner. I think they have a lot of practical resources. I love their newlywed book. The cover is totally 80s. I wish they read, but I'm like, I never study because it's yes. still so good. And it's very step by step, like even uh-huh. how to begin touching each other. You know, if mm-hmm. you're uncomfortable or maybe your past has been abusive or whatever, like I am not qualified to be able to walk someone through that, but they are. So the penners are a great resource. Definitely. And I think honestly, um, getting to know your anatomy and I'll just tell you straight up, I don't know how conservative your listeners are, but like there's a book called The Vagina Bible and uh-huh. I recently got it. Uh, have you heard of it? No, I haven't. Um, it's it's by a doctor, you know, and so That's she's great. not a Christian and you have to use your discernment in this day and age. Everybody's yeah. going to say weird things, yeah. but we need to know our bodies and not just be ignorant of our body. And it's so even women's health and that has everything a woman needs to know about everything. And I'm reading it and like, no one's ever told me this, you know? And so okay, um, I, I did a whole series last summer on your wonderful female body because we need to have conversations about our anatomy. We need to yes. understand not only like just a window of like, maybe you can have pleasure if you do this, but like our whole bodies. Yeah, and your so whole body. I have a question That's for good. you. Okay. Uh, because I totally agree with you about, you know, a woman's body and just a woman's, the way she views life um, minus sex is very sensuous. For it's, her. I would definitely say that they're more keyed into the experience and yeah. smells and all that. Mm-hmm. So why is it that, you know, it's, it's, that's true. But then when it comes to sex, they don't know their body. Mm. Cause it's for a guy that's like, okay, that's a little bit strange. Cause you know, it feels like we know our body fairly well. I guess we're pretty simple going forward, but for a woman who is way more sensuous, but then they need a vagina Bible, like (laughs) help me understand that. Well, there's really good reason for that, actually. Uh, I've been so curious about this. So I I am in the process. Maybe you can come back in a couple months and I'll be done, but I'm trying to map out his church history. Um, What on earth, Lord, we've been around for a long time. 
what have we been doing all these years? Like, why is there such evil, abuse, misuse, ignorance Mm -hmm. of this gift? Because it is a gift and it is assaulted on every level. And we should be better than this by now. And so you can look all the way back to the earliest church fathers and see um, misunderstanding of the gift of sexuality based on usually their story that was mm-hmm. painful for conversion. Yeah. And, and Gnosticism, like, like you said, just really infiltrating the church. And But like the things that are written, and I love the Catholics, but there's a lot of things in the Catholic church story that really um, minimize pleasure and really made it only about procreation. And yes. so when you do that, you really strip away the sensual beauty of a woman and you replace it with utilitarianism. Um, mm-hmm. And so you continue to have that. And then you have all the way up to like the Victorian era where they covered the legs of tables because they might be too sensuous to, for people to look at and make them think of the legs of women. That's where you have big, thick, heavy <laughs> fabrics on everything. Everything was about masking the sensuality of women from decorations to clothes. And then you get into, you know, we have the sexual revolution, modern day. And I think the church got so scared that our only response was what we can all remember is like the purity culture and kind of like really hold it down and mostly silence and shame the result of that. When you look at the medical community, which blows my mind even more, because I'm kind of like, maybe they figured it out and we're just in the dark. Mm -mm. It was not until, um, okay, so the the clitoris fact I just shared with you about 10,000 nerve endings. Were you guys aware of that New York Times article that went out this fall? Yeah. Yeah. The the previous clitoris that was studied for that was, do you know what it was? Mm-mm. A bovine clitoris, a cow clitoris. What? <laughs> Last fall in 2022, the first time a female anatomical structure clitoris was studied was this year. Wow. Oh my goodness. I did it, not know that. The medical community has been so, and I love men. Just hear me. I love men. Thank but it's you. Been so, I love it. <laughs> I honor you because we need your strength. And I yeah. just exalt the wisdom of God in giving men strength. And I want that. But the medical community has been male driven for all of history, right. male for all of history. And so you think hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the only insight a man had who was writing any sort of science information or textbook came from a midwife who would relay to him information about a woman. And he would record what he thought was important. Because they didn't attend births, they didn't attend women's physical needs. And so it wasn't until probably the last 50 years that we have female doctors and female obstetricians. And so I'm kind of listening to the secular medical community right now having the same conversation of it followed on the Me Too movement because that was their wake up call. Mm. Um, You know, all of us should be awake to injustice. Mm -hmm. But obviously, like we have different grids for realizing like God's goodness is here and I think they are tapping into there's something good here and something worth actually studying and we need to do this and that the orgasm gap which we have people talking about that is yep. true much in the world as it is in christian mm-hmm. setting and it's really lacking it's due to women not understanding their bodies and the other mix-up is that nobody in the medical community really knows who's in charge of a woman's pleasure education because the OBGYN really delivers babies and they're more dealing with the vagina and the uterus right the vulva and the clitoris and so you have it's pelvic floor therapy is very new. So anyway, it is, there's a lot of reasons. And my personal opinion is that the enemy of our souls hates the beauty of women. He's Absolutely. so threatened by it. Mm-hmm. And so centuries have gone by. And I believe it's an exciting time to be alive because I believe that prophetically God is restoring the beauty of women and the strength of men. 
and we see the battle for it, but there is so much power in a family unit, in a community, in the local church, when men and women are fully taking on their image-bearing glory in the bedroom, outside of the bedroom, loving well, getting whole and healed, and expressing the the image of God. So, so good. So I asked you earlier about like, how did you then translate your experience to friends and now followers and students? And, um, you know, you were like, okay, well, you know, I shared my story and, you know, I don't have like specific practical things necessarily. Um, but what I'm hearing that you didn't do is you didn't stay silent. Mm. You said, no, I'm going to actually speak up on this. How did you gain the courage, you know, from, like you said, that Southern Christian woman that was, <laughs> you know, sex is just private between me and my husband and we're not going to talk about it. And thank God he transformed us. But it's private yeah. and sacred because that's the view that a lot of people have. How did you shift from there to no, 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 no. Celebration. We celebration. We need to talk about it. We need to teach about it. We need to not stay silent. Honestly, um, I say this with the fear of the Lord because like he just keeps, he won't, he's relentless. He is mm -hmm. jealous for this. And he's grabbed my heart as a young girl. I thought I was going to be a Bible study teacher, but he's like, no, this is the Bible. Like this is my <laughs> made flesh like that you yes. display my glory and so he's been relentless in healing me and wow. i say that because we had we practice what we preach like my number one thing is not to be an influencer i don't even want to be an influencer i want to be a yeah. follower of jesus and point yeah. people to him my number one thing is to live the things i'm talking about and mm -hmm. so we we do and we the more you lean into intimacy here's the trick is the more vulnerability is required mm -hmm. and the more vulnerability comes up the more like you have to choose am i leaning in or leaning out and so the more you have intimacy requires vulnerability and then vulnerability requires you to lean into something that could be hard but then when you lean into that hard whether it's through prayer or conversations that are hard or revealing insecurities more healing comes and more intimacy comes and so it's this intimacy leads to vulnerability vulnerability leads to more intimacy and um i've been on a continued healing journey all of my marriage and i keep thinking well what else is there to heal? And then, of course, things come up because our stories are so layered and, and God is gentle in our healing yeah. journey. He does what mm. all at once. Yeah. And yeah. so the more that my husband and I both get healed, the more we realize this, we cannot keep silent because this is God's glory and this is God's gift. And I've just kind of come to the realization this is my ministry. Yeah. <laughs> like this, what I, this is a call of obedience to continue to declare his glory. And um, yeah. I think practically, like we prioritizing our marriage has looked like a lot of different things. But right now in this season, we go to a, a hotel every week and <laughs> uh, and we have That's we great. don't spend the night. We go for I have a, a, a episode on it from this last fall, but we come hotel dates and we go for for anywhere from like three to five hours. Okay. And then we use Priceline because we have six kids. Yeah. And I don't know, I have announced that at this point in the show, but we have six kids and our house is never quiet. And there's never time for us to come together with our guards down mm -hmm. and nourish each other. And I would say nourishing is really the word because it's in that space that my feminine beauty can really be nourished because feminine beauty takes a minute to open up. Yeah. And you can think about it on every level. Like I have a lot of layers. I have a lot of tabs open. I've got a lot going on in my brain, in my body. And so us getting away every week, we we started doing this during COVID because nobody was using hotels and everybody yeah. was. <laughs> um, but we've continued and it's been the, one that. of the 
habits. We had other habits before that that were just as regular, but it looks different in every season. But we have always very intentionally protected sex time, intimate time, um, and made it a desire and a a goal to keep growing. So we're always um, wondering, like, what else, Lord, and reading and curious and um, being open with our story and our journey because God is about the business of healing us. That's right. Wow. Thank you for all the just the wisdom and biblical knowledge. It's it's really been um, enjoyable just to listen to what you have to offer. Totally. Okay. I want to pick your brain on one last thing because I know we're kind of winding down, but you mentioned something that I know a lot of the moms listening right now are like, tell me more about that. If it's not hotels, what is it? Um, So in this season, you guys are doing Priceline Hotels once a week. Um, how can you in other seasons or for people who aren't doing hotels once a week or can't do hotels? Yeah. So how can they prioritize that nourishing time? Like they might make time for a quickie here and there, but that's not, that's not the same as like, like that three to five hour space to just like open up and be nourished and Mm. nourish each other. So what are some other ways for young moms who have kids at home to really carve out that time with their husband? Um, well, to about the hotel dates, it is possible. Priceline gives you good deals, A, and B, you spend almost the amount you would on dinner in a movie <laughs> on a Priceline hotel date. Nice. And you go out at five, you come out at 10. It's like the same setup. And so it cool. really is a gift if you think about it differently. It's very attainable for most people to think through, okay, even if you did it once a month, game changer. Game changer. <laughs> Because it, it. it's hard. We don't get away on vacations because of our slew of kids and some special needs we have. So we don't do vacations. But that is one of the ways we're like, how do we put the oxygen, <clears throat> excuse me, put the oxygen mask on our marriage yeah. so that we're not only surviving, but we're like continuing to get nourished. So back to your question, what we did, we realized when we had two kids back to back within 16 months and we thought we're dying. We're <laughs> total roommates. We were, we'd only been married for like five years. And, um, we were just high-fiving each other, passing babies. Yeah, I was getting a master's. He was traveling sales guy. And so at that point in our marriage, we were like, we have to put a stake in the ground. And instead of just letting life happen to us, because that was what was happening, we were just reacting to everything, exhausted, strained. We decided, you know, we're going to have, and we also didn't have money for a babysitter. We didn't know a babysitter. We were new in the town. And so we decided we're going to do date night every night. And what that looked like was we would put the babies down. And granted, it's seasonal. So these were babies. We could put them down at 730. We put the babies down. And from 8 to 9, we put our phones away. We put our work away. We put everything away that wasn't the two of us connection related. And we just had fun from 8 to 9 every night. And then we would go to bed together. And I think that rhythm of saying pause, we're choosing connection. Sometimes it was sex. Sometimes it was a bath. Sometimes it was a movie we wanted to watch. It wasn't just like binging, you know, and zoning out. It was sometimes tea tasting or wine tasting. We just tried to think, what could we do? We took a class one time, an online class, and just every night did that. So it was the idea of we are going to fight for connection and we are going to show up for each other without distraction. And I think that was the biggest game changer is because when we're tired, it's so easy to zone out. And day after day, month after month of that, you realize we're in a roommate rut. And that was where we were. And so we did that for the next 12 years. And it wasn't until our kids were getting older that we realized we have to change things because they need our attention later. And we kept adding kids and (laughs) (laughs) he uh, switched things around a little bit. But that really worked with us. And even when they got older, we would put them little ones down, 
we would have our date and then we would put the older ones down. And so huh. it was kind of like, mm. you know, for that season, it was like, we went and mom and dad are going to go get ready for bed. We'd take a shower. We'd be in our room yep. for a little while. We'd chat. So it, I think the biggest thing is, Lord, you have this marriage for us. Yes. How are you providing for us in this season to discover deeper connection? Mm. And so every season, and I would never have imagined going to hotel dates like we do, but it's God's provision. And just so everybody knows, we don't live on like rainbows and unicorn land. We have a ton of trauma in our home. We are walking through very hard things. Yeah. So um, that is what our marriage needs mm -hmm. in order to continue to move forward in um, health and nourishment. We need a break. And yeah. so that, just so people know, like, oh, that's so outlandish. It's really God's provision for us in this season. Yeah. And whether you have major trauma or no trauma, you're just tired, whatever it looks like, the Holy Spirit is into your connection. And he's into the intimacy and the vulnerability and all of those things and the fun and the lightheartedness and the romance and the beauty of two becoming one. But it does take intentionality. Wow. Your perspective is so refreshing. It is. It's really good to hear. Yes. <laughs> Well, where could people find you? I'm sure they're going, well, okay, I need to listen to more of this. Yeah, I have a podcast called Heaven in Your Home. So wherever podcasts are found, you can find that. Um, I'm on Instagram, available there for resources. My website has resources, francywinslow.com. That would be um, good for next steps and equipping. Nice. Awesome. We will so link much. all of that in the show notes. So folks are like, wait, that was really fast. Just go to the show notes and you can click right there and go straight to her resources, as well as the books that you recommended, the Penner's book and the Vagina Bible. Is there any yeah, other like books that. that you would suggest? Um, I think there's there's a lot of varieties. Like if you want to rethink your ideas about sex, I think yes. Julie Slattery has a great amount of books that are helpful and yep. theologically based. Um, I think if you want more technique and more like sex therapy, I'll go the penners because mm -hmm. they'll get kind of down and dirty in details and help you break down um, troubleshooting. Um, Doug Rosenau has great books. He passed as in heaven now, but he has yeah. great resources that are helpful. Yes. Yeah. I think those come to my mind for the moment. But I do I do also have a community, an online community called the Discipleship Circle where I meet with women once a month on Zoom. And so if anybody's interested in actually going deeper with this content. I suggest start with the podcast, but then there's so much healing and so much um, really mind rewiring that God has for us in our culture that is life-changing. That's yes. always open to. For, in community, for folks. Listen up. In community. Yep. I think that, that, that goes, um, I think, by the wayside in a lot of, especially conservative Christian circles, you know, where sex is bad or shameful. And so, you know, they're, they're hesitant to talk about their sex life, even with their best friends. Yeah. So you heal in community. That's exactly right. Yeah. Very good. Thank you so much, Francie. We're going to close this out the way we close out all of our episodes. And that's by asking you, rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. And what advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Okay. Well, I might just say for one, dear young wife, know that your body is beautiful and that you are made to receive pleasure and that that is good. And dear young husband, you are strong. You are made to serve with your strength and enjoy the wife of your youth. And in enjoying her and verbally blessing her, she will thrive. Boom. Love it. Thank you so much <laughs> you, for what Francine. you've given us today. 
You're fantastic. I know this is going to impact so many women and couples all over the world. We're very grateful for your ministry. Thank you for having me. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.